0: Hi, it's Tuesday afternoon, and I'll take a look at the Parsha. We didn't have anybody until Gluck Plumbing stepped up to uh, fill in the void, which I'm grateful. On the other hand, he always insists on uh, fresh meat, no uh, refried chalent, even though I like refried chalent, or at least I did when I was young. Uh, So here we go. The um, more as we all know, is mostly about one thing, and then at the end, well, it's about three things. First, about the Kohanim, then about the holidays, and then this story, which is one I want to talk about today, about the uh, blasphemer, the in the, and the Mikhailo, right? Uh, it's a strange story, and uh, at the and, and, and in many respects, it's not 100% clear to me, even now, even though I know what the different Mafarshim say, and they're all over the place on this, which is what happens when you have a very interesting but unclear story, so he had a fight. That's not necessarily what means. It could mean that he blasphemed, for the But eat so. But anyway, and the way he did it was, So by, Now, these are unusual words in Hebrew. Yikov, um, uh, what, what I want to say before, Vayinotsu, uh, Vayikov, uh, by Kaleel, by so Moshe, and they end up killing him. First, they didn't know what to do. They asked God, no, and as Moshe said, I don't know how to find that from Shem, what to do. And Hashem said, Kill him. <clears throat> now, the plain meaning of that, as far as I understand, is it doesn't say anywhere in the words, Thou shalt not blaspheme the Lord against thy God. So don't tell me it's a Kalvachom or it's a darbashom. First of all, I know Shem and din, And second of all, and then now, you know, what you take for granted today isn't there. Now, this story has always bothered all the commentators and everybody from day one, because why would somebody do that, and how could he do this? And uh, especially if you go, and what exactly is the nature of the item that he did? It's never been clear. Um, For example, if you look at the uncleess, he never says that he cursed anybody. But that could be because the uncleess in general is very politically correct. I mean this in the best way. The Rambam always points out, that Onkelos himself, having been once a pagan and then converted, was very sensitive to any issues that might regard, uh, put God in some kind of a human form at all. And even the notion that someone could curse God sounds like, you know, sort of uh, reducing God to some kind of idolatrous level because, you know, I curse Zeus and I curse Manuva and I also curse the Jewish God. You know, you see what I'm saying? When you talk like that, that demeans the unique stature of Shalom, which is why he doesn't mention it at all. If you look Duncalus, he says Parsh bas israel, that the son of Israelite uh uh Parish uttered Yashma, the name of God, uh the and he got <coughs> and he caused anger. And therefore, he brought him to Moshe and they killed him. I the pusik says he was a Makaliel, not according to uncleus Ape kills the Argis Take out the one who caused anger to the camp and stone him over there. So he never says he actually cursed God or, or blasphemed, or you know, which is the same thing in English. Um, in there. and, and therefore he doesn't have to. So you understand when the reader of the Bible thousands of years ago ran uncleus which was his translation, uh, and this is usually the Hamun Am person, he's never going to actually hear about a story where somebody was so chutzbedik, uh, beyond, beyond, that he actually cursed Hashem. He did something wrong, like we'd say in Yiddish. You know, that's all. Uh Vargizo, he caused anger. That's all. Alright? Um that's one way. The other way, and when I was young, by the way, the language is very ambiguous, which is really interesting from the Hebrew point of view, because I used to think it means like this. You, you never know. He got into a fight with somebody and uh, by Eko Hashem he says Hashem by Kaleo and he used he, listen closely how I'm saying it he got into a fight with a guy and he cussed the other guys out with the shame you know what I just said in other words he didn't curse God but he cursed the other guy like they do now in English they'll say gee damn you or something like that even using Hashem's name in that way is like a capital offense I'm moved to this I'm thinking about this not simply because of gluck, but because it happened to be last night for a certain reason, had this Sfiras summer, that was looking the Chayyotam who directed me to call him Sheba back in the beginning of Chayyotam. I haven't seen in a long time, and he goes a whole long speech, very appropriately. But you're not supposed to use Hashem's name, forget cursing or anything like that in in the slightest way, out of out of touch. The says shum to go a if you do an extra bracha, that's considered a terrible sin. Against God's name, you mention his name unnecessarily. Afi oligrom bracha she'en etzricham gon' bracha achas v'garam bracha acheres. You know, ha'mavarch uh, l'vatala. Oh my goodness, he made a bracha l'vatala over a low seesaw. He violated one of the Ten Commandments, taking the name of the Lord in vain, at least medrabonim. Emotzi shem shemay l'vatala over a mitsa say ha'shem That's already in Devarim, it wasn't around in vaker time. And he mose as uh Shem and Nikhba Nura say again, that's all in Dvoran. Kizel Mikala Yirushlahaskma Garalkim Derh Shabaku Brochham Khiva Lolva Tola. And uh Khayoram goes on to say this isn't Kal if those are interested. Um, the Yeruvi is Dazu varsha maskem. You should be trembling. Hear what he says when you dab in every day, you say Abraha, Stamashahakl. Stamashahakl, right? <laughs> he says, Yeruvi is dazucha masquashem. When you see the word Hashem, and and you and I don't use the word Hashem, obviously we don't use the Shem of but we'll see. Some of the Mafarshim, old ones too, say that that's what was the sin of the blasphemer. It's not necessarily cursed anyone, but he, although that too, but he did he named, he said out loud, you know what I mean, uh, and that was like the supreme disrespect. Any name like God, or whatever, well, not that, but the Shem, Shem, and the Chayorim goes on to give a whole story, I won't reprise it over here, a guy died, he went to heaven, he was a Mekayim this, was Mekayim that, he was about to get into heaven, and they asked him, did you, in his heart, did you ever say even once, Hashem's name, when it wasn't necessary, and he couldn't answer that, and therefore he went to hell, you know, something like that. So, I mean, he's making a big deal over this. So, then we have the story of of the blasphemer. Now, of course, and everybody else is writing after the story happened. We're talking about the first time it ever happened. Where does it say, if you want to get technical, you're not allowed to do that? And what does it mean? From a philosophical perspective, why should God care if you curse him or not? You're not affecting him. Right, you're not affecting him. You're not insulting him. He's beyond that. So what's going on over here? Uh, obviously, it's more than just a philosophical type part. So what's going on with this very strange story of the guy who was a makalo? Now, one way, right, is simply to say that you know he he uh, he pronounced the the, the UK Vovke. But why would he do that? Well, they tell you to take the trouble to tell you they got into a fight, but it doesn't say what the fight was, right? So the of shot is, before you get into the goddess, the of shot is the guy got into a fight, and this is the danger of machlokas because you end up shooting your mouth off. You're this. I'm this, you're that. You know, uh, well, damn you, da da du, you know, something like that. And next thing you know, you begin cursing Asha. You know, who knows? Okay? Who knows? Uh, moreover, it's very, very interesting that say cursed. Um don't say those words. Notice it doesn't say Israelis as Don't say that words. It says israelis as Hashem. Hey Mem. That's in the Okay? He cursed not God, but God's name. So he didn't curse God, but he cursed God's name, which is a strange thing. I'll say it again. This is not me talking. This is the, the, the Chomish. He used the word Heishin Mem. He, used, he he cursed the shame. So, you know, what's the idea of cursing a name of God? Like, what is that? You know, if you tell me curse God, so, odd's oh, it's a terrible thing, naturally got killed. I get that. But what, what, what's shot with this business that he cursed a name or something along those lines? Okay? Now, um if you get into a fight, anything's possible. And you lose your temper... Then you just shoot your mouth up stupidly. I like the b'chor shor. He's always very shot oriented. And he said the guy got into a fight. Since was arguing with the other guy, you know, So the other guy said, you know, you should drop that. I should drop that. I'm cursing he who who has given you life and and you know and and created you all the rest of it, which means this is like. <laughs> In the Middle Eastern cultures, and in Russian also, I know, they have gvaldiga curse, curses, you know. The, I remember uh, in the 1950s when they had the Suez, I don't remember, I read, the, the Suez crisis with England and Israel and France on the one side and Egypt on the other, Nasser. And Nasser messed them all over. And I think the story was the queen said, he's a real, you know, son of a whatever. And Nasser gave a speech, oh, you want to do curses? She, she's the daughter of a this, or who's the daughter of a that, a daughter of a that. He was like it was like a Gavaldiga curse, you know, because the Arabs v- specialized in this sort of thing, you know. Your mother's mother's mother was a this, that, and the other, you know, that that kind of thing, or you're the child not of one dog but of sixty dogs. You know, they have all these phrases, and again, in Russian language is famous that is also. I don't know the rest of the languages of the world. Now, um, the thing. <coughs> uh, now, the thing is that in the course of getting angry, he shot his mouth off. That's that's what the you know, I curse the God that that, that made you. That's like Nasser, you know, trying to up you. He called him a Mamza, he said, i you're a, you know, I curse not only you, I curse your mother, your father, and even you're this and you're this, and even the God that made you. That's the way the Bukhor Shor says it did. And again, he you know, he shot his mouth and got killed. But on the other hand, uh Was Epis, that there was a fight. See, you can learn it like that. No question about it. That, you know, you see the danger of mechlechus and losing your temper and you end up saying things that are, that a minute ago you would never dream of saying. This is the problem of mechlechus. When it gets out of hand, you find yourself in a place you can't imagine that you would have said this in the first place. But when I had you on and you hats me on, this and the other, we both lose it. And we lose all sense of proportions. Now, um, uh, if you look in the Mepharshim, by the way, you know, you see that some indeed say that he cursed God. That's like the Barbanel. Or he cursed God's name. That's the Benamachayah, the Kliyakar, the Chizkuni, and the others. Listen to this. This is just uh, interesting. You know, let's say that we go with the story, which is a famous story in the Gemara and the Medrash, that he was the son of the guy that Moshe Rabbeinu killed. Beni Mitzri, Tzach You know that. I don't have to repeat that story over again. That's the guy that, that Moshe killed. So Ben no so he doesn't see it the way the B'chor Shor does, which I could see totally. You know, I curse you, I curse your car, I curse your 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 book, I curse your yarmulke, I curse your mother, your father, this that and the other, and even I curse all the way back to the goddamn, You know, talking like that. But Ben B'Chaya doesn't see it that way. If he was angry that Moshe killed his father, because that's the way the Chazal would portray it, so he should curse Moshe, not God. So the Eben and suggests, So this is a, what I'm telling you now is a good vort, if you want a vort. And they say, this is a, actually it's a nice vort, and that is that they told this guy, Moshe killed your father. How did he kill him? And he says, he killed him with the Shem forge. Remember that? It's a machlogus in the midrash. Did Moshe kill him, you know what I mean, You magically? Or was it a was or something or other? Or did he smash his head in with a with a, with a a tool, the way they do it in Jersey, you know? So how did he do it? So if you go with the shot, this is the main If you go with the shot that he killed him with the Shem forge, Shame, I'm HaMaforosh is what killed my father. I cursed Hashem HaMaforosh. Get it like that. So in other words, he didn't curse Hashem, he cursed Hashem's name, because it was that name that had killed his father, who's angry that his father was killed. So it's a, it's a, if you need a word on Shabbos, I mean, that's 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 one. Um, the uh, the Kliyukar, uh, who's always more psychological, you know, he goes so far as to say like this, this didn't just happen overnight. Uh... His father was killed. So ever since then, this kid grew up with his father, um, knowing that his father had been killed by Moshe, using the Shem Forish, And therefore, he resented from the time he was a young child the Shem um for killing his father. But he never told anybody. Right? But he never told anybody. This is already a completely different... This is a movie from Hollywood. It's what you call having a childhood scar. Right? It's a childhood scar. That a kid grew up without a father. And it was under terrible circumstances because his father was the Egyptian. Then he was on with the mother. You can imagine what the other people said about him. And his... uh, And what he called... And and his father was, was... That's why he was beating up the Hebrew and that's why Moshe killed him. So in other words, he was handed a terrible... Uh, um, posterity, handed a terrible he- heritage from day one. You see, I'm sure the overwhelming majority, if not everybody listening to this podcast, you ask somebody, say, so, who's your parents, who are your grandparents, all the rest of it? You look for something good to say. My father, my grandfather, they were good people. They came from Europe, they came from Asia, whatever. Uh, went to the Holocaust. Damn, my great-great-grandparents did this. Even the ones about Shuba, you know, but they were... There were good people. If I go back far enough, then I'll find people that were, you know, shamshabs then. you, You look for what we call in English, in the history profession, a usable past. A person, just like a nation, needs a usable past. That's the trouble you have now. Israel has this trouble with the Eastern European countries. I did a series on this a couple years ago in Poland. How can Israel, the state of Israel today, this is interesting What I'm about to say. How can... The state of Israel today have good relations with the Eastern European countries. But on the other hand, they want them. You know and I know that the countries in the world are mostly anti-Israel. And the third world is disgusting. All these African-Asian countries always vote to wipe out Israel, to kick them out of, of uh, Jerusalem, to shut down the whole country. You know, mama's like that. Now, um, after 1990, when communism fell all those nations in Eastern Europe popped up and became free and independent. Poland, Lithuania, Latvia, Estonia, Ukraine, by the way, now, Belarus, and so forth. Hungary, Romania, you name it, Czechoslovakia. Now, for a whole bunch of reasons that I don't want to get into the details now, these countries actually are pro-Israel. They like the Israelis over the Arabs. They do a lot of business with them, they buy weapons from them, things like this. And they really would like to have a friendly relationship with Israel. The trouble is, you killed my mother, you killed my father. Take, for example, Lithuania. The Litvats themselves, the Goyim, murdered tens of thousands of Jews before the Nazis ever showed up. I think, I think everybody knows this. I mean, I, I believe, if you know a little bit of the history of World War II, even before the German army came and finished the job, the local Litvish rose in uh, June of 1940. And exterminated whole populations, especially small towns. They just shot them, and killed them all. And now, which is you know uh, eighty years later, they're saying to us, "Listen, let's buy guns. Let, let's not talk about it. <laughs> you know, let's not talk about it. Let's move forward." Today, here we are in Lithuania or Latvia or Estonia, if you want to get down to it, or Ukraine, and the past is the past, and we want to. You know, have a, turn over a brand new leaf, and let's just be friends from now on. After all, Israel isn't exactly rolling in friends. we we'll be friends from now on, and I'm sure there are many in Israel, the statesman type politicians, who say, "Yeah, let's not it the past," but but we Jews are cursed as being a people of memory. I cannot forget what you did to my father, my uncle, my brother, my grandfather, and how can I look you in the face and say we're going to be friends when you or your father, or your uncle? You know, strangled to death my grandmother, so, so to speak. You know what I mean? They murdered babies and things like that. They did do this. So here's one, on the one side you have the guy, I'm trying to say, let's erase memory. And the other side, you have the Jews who are obsessed with memory because that's who we are as a people. We're obsessed with memory. That's who we are. So it's a problem. So now think, so what I'm trying to say is like this. We can't have a normal relation with these people. It's a challenge because they have a complicated past. Now imagine you're this kid growing up in Mitzrayim and Moshe Bena killed your father. Right? And now you grow up and the and now Moshe Bena was the leader. The guy who killed your father became the leader of the Claythral and picked from heaven. And he splits the Red Sea and he takes you to the desert. And he brings it to Sinai and God himself, using the shame first, talks to Moshe, and so forth and so on. And the or sagas so is building up in you, get it? It's building up in you. In all these years, you've been the dissenter. You hate Moses. He killed your father. Everybody else likes, thinks Moses is great. And, but you keep your opinions to yourself. And now, he blurted it out. That's the psychological interpretation of the Kliyakar. Kol yom haim haim hagadah b'seoch libo v'lo anodah b'chutz dover. Chol shayim nefroim manah b'goli, as it says in Pirkei And that's why si vev hashem shi'itzim yolo geishiz go rotsa b'tocha kahal. So when he was alone in his own little family, in his tent, he could shoot his mouth off, like Archie Bunker. But now, Vayetse, he walked out, and he was heard in the street saying it, and then he got killed. You understand? For the, for the blasphemy. But it ain't the first time he saw and said this. That's already a whole psychological different way of looking at the whole story, right? And I'm going to tell you, I think I've said this, Nakuda, before, um, but a little bit of refried beans won't hurt. Uh, is one of the few Alsheikhs I recall where he said Moshe didn't, didn't know what to do with him. Among other reasons, Moshe himself could, could kind of understand this. I mean, I killed the guy's father. I understand why he hates me and why he's saying bad things, even even, even about Hashem. You know, in other words, he's not a normal kid. Suppose today, today, somebody who had issues, as we would say. You know, there are people like that some of his issues, his mental problems, emotional severe trauma, goes and stands up and curses Hashem. Here in Baltimore, Maryland, or New York, or Lakewood, something like that. We wouldn't kill him, we'd say the guy needs help. Obviously, he's saying terrible things because he's got all this pain locked up inside of him. You, you understand what I'm saying? Pain locked up inside of him. And the al says, I recall, that if you look closely, it says, Hashem you know, when they told Moshe about it, he didn't want to touch it, right? He didn't want to touch it. Moshe said, I don't know, you ask Hashem what he wants to do. He didn't want to do it. Uh, and Hashem says, now listen to the Hebrew language, that's Loshon Yachet, not hotziu You, Moshe, take the guy out. And everybody should, uh, uh, what he called, uh, you know, uh, you take the guy out, and they'll, they'll stone him. Okay? Now, Lamaisa, so in other words, Moshe is not doing the stoning, because Esau wasn't the one who heard it, but, but the others will, the, the the witnesses in the crowd. What happened at the very end, the last passage in, in the Parsha? V'idabra Moshe bnei So Moshe tells the Jewish people, I was told to take the guy out. They didn't listen to Moshe. They took the guy out, because they saw how uncomfortable and how pain Moshe was emotionally. Because of the history of of these two people, and they they killed him. I remember the halachah says, "Aye, they didn't." Since they did it for the right reason, because they understood how uncomfortable Moshe was in all this. Uh, it was a toxic situation, so it's considered. The Torah writes, the Torah writes, even though they deviated from instructions, it wasn't hotzeis Makala, it was but nevertheless, it's okay. Uh, I remember seeing that Al uh, long ago. Let me look it up over there. But anyway, you see that you have a very uh, complicated story over here. And um, you know, it could be that he, you know, cursed Hashem, cursed the name, um, cursed the God who made Moshe. But he wasn't just a regular guy. And he's testing the limits of the law. Because again, it never said anywhere, "Thou shalt not kill." Now, afterwards, it does, right? From now on, it does. But this is what you call post facto. I forget what they call it in, in lawyer language. You can't condemn somebody for for doing something that wasn't legislated yet. barely more after he gets arrested. Okay. But he didn't know it until, excuse me, he didn't know it until now. Now, if you want to be legalistic, not like the al Shechem, you could say that's why Moshe didn't kill him. But uh because it wasn't legislated until God said specifically, I'm Hashem, and I'm telling you to kill the guy. That's a different story. If you have, you know, a direct, you know, message from upstairs, which you can only have by Moshe, that's a different story. So you see that um the story goes in a lot of different ways. And is it a, a tale of Emotional uh, anger was it a tale that the guy just now got in an uh, argument with another guy. And as often happens when you get in an argument, you lose it, especially if the other guy gets you. You ever seen an argument in show this guy says this, the other guy ups the ante, the other guy ups the ante, the other guy ups the ante, and next thing you know the guy said drop that or something like that. Which, how could one you say to another, but I've seen it, and so have you. You know, you, 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 get, you get to points where you're so angry at what the guy's doing, the imamish lose it. Okay? Now, the way it's portrayed... Most of the Mepharshim, I think, wanted to view this more as a theological blasphemy story rather than as a psychological story. Although, they certainly do bring the story about Moshe Beno kill, killing the father because it says it's been Ishmitzri, you know. He's identified with that. So, um, how do you, you know, connect all this? It's just interesting to me that this is in Parshas Amor. And Amor, what does it say in the beginning? Uh Lanefish Tamabamov, stay away from things that are metame. Now I know literally it means about going to funerals and all that, I get that. But you see broadly speaking, a hint of the Makal story coming up. Because Lanefish Litama don't do things that are tomorrow cursing Hashem is like going beyond the limits. That's like it should be tome, you, you understand what I'm saying? Besides the fact that it's theologically a sin. How can somebody do that? Right? Most of us will be horrified. And properly so. How could you even think of something like that? Now, there's one last point, and that is you can view it in a different way. And why does it talk about the Egyptian father? Now, remember, it's a it's a Ghazal that says the Egyptian father was the Egyptian that Moshe killed. Pesachot's not like that. Is he even father was Egyptian, the mother was a, was a was a I mean, was a Jewish. And there's a whole discussion. I'm sure you must know this the Rambam, the Tsarfatim, and the Svarim, you know, did the child go by the father, by the mother, before Mount Torah and all that? I don't want to get into that. <laughs> Consider the following. Here you have somebody who had two parents, one which was Jewish and one of which was Egyptian. Fine. And, as, and and again, it's not the story where, you know, this he's the guy that Moshe killed. Fine. So let's get this straight now. He had an upbringing because this is happening in the desert, and he's an adult by now, so he had an upbringing back in Egypt, and mixed marriage. Notice he got double double message. One of the reasons we don't like mixed marriage, the Torah says, is because even if the mother is Jewish, so the kid will be Jewish, but you know he's going to get You know, knows, uh, he'll get uh, uh, mixed messages for what God is. It was hard enough being Jewish in Mitzrayim. And theologically, it was a mess. Because we all know that the Bnei from Mitzrayim had to So they're all submished in their hashkafas. You can say it's not their fault, whatever, but they're all submished in their hashkafas. So this guy grew up at least half with a father who was not Jewish. So that means he he follows the Egyptian religion, mamish. The Egyptian religion is full of gods. I think you know that. Chock full of gods. I mean, they even worship pussy ants, and I mean that. And crocodiles, and birds, and this and that, and the other, you name it. That's what the Egyptian religion was. You can totally see that when it comes to the gods, it happens in pagan situations that you're lining up on one side and, 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 and you're lining with one god and and, and you're there for an opposition to another. Consider, for example, if there was a war between, I don't know, Greece and Persia. You know, I'm just making this up. The Greeks have their gods, the Persians have theirs. When they had a war or a battle or something like this, any kind of contest, what did the Greeks do? They say to their gods, we want you to prevail over the Persian gods and vice versa. And so what do you do? You sing praises and talk up your gods, and you do the opposite to the other gods, the ones you don't like. Right? Up, up with Zeus, and down, down with Mithra. Right? Bless Zeus, heck with Mithra. Something like that. Right? I mean, I'm not a Bucky in paganism. I know more than some, but you know, uh, Bucky in paganism, cursing a god, meaning not your side, the god of the other side. That's every Monday, Monday and Thursday, right? No, that that's not a shocking thing. You understand? That's not a shocking thing. Uh, that's what you do. Again, the gods are on your side, or or in whose side, whose team you line up. Those are the gods you sing their praises. The others are the opposite. That's how life is lived. So if you're in that kind of a format, cursing a deity now, the right kind of deity, right? is not beyond the pale at all. It's, 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 it's how you do business in those religions. Now this guy was taken because his mother was Jewish and so forth, and he left Egypt. And he was at Har Sinai. Rashi, the Torah's corner, says, he said the shame for because he heard it at Har Sinai. So this guy is cursing God after the experience at Mount Sinai, which is just interesting. Obviously, what is it that he hears at Harsinai? What is it that the Bnei Yisrael experienced uniquely to Harsinai? That's a good question I'm asking. See, the revelation of God. It's not simply the revelation of God. I'll tell you what I mean. Because one could look at the Harsinai with the Colossus and the Brachim and all the rest of it. Shavuos is after all around the corner. And simply say like this. There's a lot of gods out there, but ours, baby, is the biggest. I was Harsinai I saw him come out before the Oh my goodness, he makes the Greek gods and Egyptian gods look like wimps. Our god really rocks. Well, that's the wrong message because that would sound like right, there are other gods as well. That's why. What did they hear in Lo Loyalochelhimachemalponai. But you can interpret that to say you're not allowed to follow other gods. And the Rambam, by the way, and the Mordavuchim, goes into this did they understand the full import of what they're saying. But where I'm going with, of course, is that the tremendous Chiddush, which must have been a shocker, we take it for granted because we've been brainwashed for 3,000 years, must have been a shocker, which was the following. What they realized at Harsinai, what shocked them was all the religious stuff they've learned until now has all been baloney. as is Nittah. All the gods of Egypt, all the gods of this, it's a figment of the imagination. It's not that our God is stronger than them. There are no, there is no one else. Ain't no Bilvado. You take it for granted, because we see it every day and so on and so forth. Think about what a shock, what a you know, dissonance that must have been to people who were raised differently. Okay? People who were raised differently. It's not like, you know, you carry a rabbit's foot and you all Saddam. So there's no point in carrying rabbits for it. There's nothing there to appease. But what if I step under the ladder? All the as it That's a hard one to handle. And it would seem, I mean, I'm sure that there are plenty of Jews, even after experience higher Sinai, they were submission on this, which is why they made a golden gift. That's the only way of understanding it. There were those who made a golden gift, and there were those who interpret or misinterpret it other ways our hero or villain, who's the one who was the Makalo, he clearly didn't understand what he saw in Har And if he pronounces the shame I on mean, that means he's, you know, challenging what he saw in Har And so he's identifying with his father. You understand? This was his upbringing to, to a world in which there are no gods with just too much. And that's why, I think, it goes to the trouble of saying, Vayetzeh Ben-Nish for B'Hu ben Mitzri, b'nei yisrael. He was B'Soch B'Nish but his father was a Mitzri. It's not a racist word, it's because the Mitzri, the, the Mitzrayim, or Tommy, and all the rest, so, there aren't a that say like that. And that's a very nice Hasidic shot. I mean, I totally hear that. But I think it's telling you more, in my opinion. B'Hu ben he was brought up very differently. B'Soch b'nei yisrael. So you he also missed. He's on the one end, he, he he's hearing mystery stuff, the other is he's hearing B'n'ai Israel stuff. And it could even be, and again, I don't know. It's a know some he got into a fight, even though Chazal, the whole story that he wanted to, you know, Machne Don and all the rest of it. But um it could be he got in a fight over this very issue. You understand? Uh because he had two Masoras now. He was a Beni Schmitzi, but he's also a Benishi Israelis. He heard messages about one God and to the to exclusion of all the others, but then he heard other messages from his father and their family, their background because if he was the son of the Ichmitri, then he had uncles who were midstream and grandparents who were midstream and you know he went to Mitzri bar Mitzos or whatever they had over there, and uh with a lot of religious ceremonies. so what do you expect? it's a shame, by if he end up if they said like this. Your gods and all the gods of your father are not, are stupid. They're dumb. They're idiotic. Which a Jew is allowed to say. Uh, they don't exist. Your father is so dumb. Your family background on your father's side also stupid. They believe in figment imagination. You could totally hear. He said, oh yeah? I'll curse your God. You understand? He got emotionally wrapped in defending his, his background, which the Torah says it takes the trouble to, to share with you. That at least would explain to me how a guy could so lose it as to, you know, as as to curse God. I mean, to us today, it's Lay uncle Uncleus, by the time Uncleus came along, he couldn't even pronounce those words. Right? How could somebody curse their bunch shalom? I mean, you know, how's that even possible? Right? Who could have that kind of you know, crazy chutzpah? But if your father was Egyptian, your mother was this, and your grandparents were, he had two sets of grandparents and two sets of cousins, all the rest of it. There are people today, and I'll finish in a second, I'm sure there are people listening to this podcast, everybody's life is their own business, and they probably have two sets of families two bad sets of grandparents, one Jewish and one not Jewish. You know, there's all kind of situations out there in the USA and elsewhere, and they probably understand a little bit the what I'm talking about. They hear one message when they go to this family event, they hear another message when they go to that family event. They were dealing in Pasha Samur, I think, with their first example of this, which ended up disastrously because the guy didn't know how to how to negotiate this this side. And he wasn't able, it seems, to simply say, look, everything my father's tradition is just wrong. You know? He's a mystery. He's a, I'm not even going with the shot that he's the guy Moshe killed. Pasha, he was a Benish mystery. And that's a civilization which is founded on lies. So, like I said, your whole paternal side are all dumbbells. It's not easy for somebody to take. You understand? It's not easy for somebody to take. Anyway, that's what I think. And uh, I want to thank, once again, our sponsor today Gluck, the Glucks. And uh, so much for uh, Fresh Meat. Take care.